have your Bibles, you can grab them quickly and turn to 1 Samuel. Just remain standing just for a moment. 1 Samuel will be in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 20. So we got 20 verses today. And yes, I won't apologize for reading the Word of God in the house of God. Amen. But we needed this many verses to to allow the Lord to to paint the picture that He's trying to show us today. The the picture He's trying to reveal to us today. How, How many know that the Bible, God's Word, is meant to reveal His glory in us and through us? That's the point of it, not to just retell us a story that happened years ago, but to reveal his glory to the earth. And that's what it's for. And so we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 through 20. We'll also have it on the TV Bibles for you. Now there was a, a man from Ramatham Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elhu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph. An Ephraimite, that's a whole lot to say. I I practice all week just to be able to read that (laughs) at least a hundred times. I'm dead serious. I'm not even kidding. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Year after year, someone say year after year. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Penina and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Someone shout double portion. Because he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, moreover, Hannah and Penina, the two sister wives, were rivals, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year. Someone say year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, that she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah got up after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth as for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were quivering, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, how long will you behave like a drunk? Get rid of your wine. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman despairing in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. 
Do not consider your bondservant a useless woman, for I have been praying until now out of my anguish and my grief. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your request that you have asked of him. She said, Let your bondservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went on her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they got up early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. And returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time. Someone say due time. In due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel saying, because I have asked the Lord for him. Father, I pray today there would be such a trust developing in our hearts between us and you this morning such a desire deep down within us to see your glory revealed through us i pray that today lord i pray that i would decrease so that your spirit would increase in this house so that your anointing that goes forth today lord touch every heart in this place in jesus mighty name and everybody said Amen. Amen. Tell seven people, say, continue waiting, continue waiting, continue waiting. Yeah, come on. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. Moms, man, I tell you, man, we, we love you and we honor you. There are so many of us that wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't have praying mamas. Can I get an amen? Amen. And yeah, man, it's, it's good to, to see all of you today and Listen, let me just speak for myself just, just for a moment because I'm telling you, without my mama, I wouldn't be anywhere that I am today without her praying for me, waiting and believing God for a miracle in my life. And, and so, yeah, mom, she'll be watching later. Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. I'll take brownie points from you right now. And also to my beautiful wife, Julie. Honey, love you, the mother of my children. Appreciate you. I definitely need those brownie points for real. Um, so, no, but yeah, moms, happy Mother's Day. And I would venture to guess that a lot of us would, would have the same types of things to say to the women in our lives, the moms in our lives, and those that have been a, played a motherly role in our lives, that, man, we appreciate you. And again, we honor you, moms. We speak God's favor and his blessing upon you in Jesus' name. And so, moms, enjoy your day. Ladies, enjoy your day. Let the men take care of you for a change. Amen. And all the women said amen. <clears throat> amen. Awesome. How are we all doing today? Are we good? Come on. I am good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Now, to be honest with you, I've never really preached a Mother's Day message per se, and, and not for really any you know real reason besides the fact that, you know, I just typically don't allow the calendar to dictate what God is trying to speak to us and, and through us. However, uh, it just landed right this year uh, that, you know, last week we talked about the miracle of family, which was a great segue into Mother's Day, kind of in that, obviously, that same, that same vein. And so, man, we're, I'm going to speak to you guys about a mother's miracle. That's what we're going to do today. And we're going to use a story about a mother in the scriptures. And that's what we're going to title the message, A Mother's Miracle. Come on, say that with me. A Mother's Miracle. And now hear me though, just because it's about a mother doesn't mean it's only for mothers. 
It's not just for mothers. I'm telling you, this is for anyone and everyone because I'm sure of this one thing, that if I went around the room and I began to ask anyone and everyone if they needed God to give them a miracle, if they are asking God to show up in their situation, if, if, they're, if, they're, if they're asking the Lord to show up in their life or the life of the loved ones, their loved ones, anyone and everyone would say, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm asking God. Yes, I'm believing God. Yes, I'm, I'm waiting on God to send my miracle. I believe that. And because that's the, the reality that we find ourselves in today, because that's the reality we're facing, so many of us waiting for God to show up and move on our behalf, I believe this message is going to speak to you is going to touch you, and God is, is going to use a mother's miracle to help us believe God for our miracle. Amen. 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 But, but I was thinking about the, the day and age that we live in right now, right? I was, I was thinking about it, and, and, and I wasn't getting real deep and spiritual or, or nothing like that, if you can believe it, but, but I wasn't. I, I was just really thinking about how when we call a store, this is what I was thinking about. I like to buy things. I'm just saying. It's one of my biggest weaknesses. Amen. Pray for my wife. But I was thinking about when we call a store nowadays and how it's all automated, right? Like I can remember when I was a younger man and yes, I'm not real old. However, I was born in 1980. Now some of you might think that's old, but the Lord rebuke you. However, I'm, I'm, I'm not that old, but when I was younger, I can remember how when I would call a store, right? I call a store and and all of a sudden, I'd get a person. Go figure. Like, I call a place to speak to a person, and I actually get a person at that place responding back to me on the phone. And I was thinking about the, the good old days when people would, would answer the phone. Because right now, when we call a store, we don't get people. Matter of fact, if we do get a person on the other line, it confuses us. We're like, and all of a sudden we start stuttering and we're stammering and all the, you know, the conversation gets really weird for a moment because we, we hadn't processed our question yet because we thought, oh, we got a long time before we actually make it to a person, right? But that, that's the day we, we, we live in, man. We get, we get calling people and we call a place to, to ask them the question that we, we need answers to and and instead of getting a person, typically we get placed on hold. And man, we'll be on hold for long periods of time. And what ends up happening is, is we end up giving up. We, we, we end up hanging up the line because we're tired of waiting on someone to respond to us and give us an answer to our request. And, and if we were being really honest this morning with each other, if we were actually going to bear our hearts before God, some of us feel this exact same way when we think about asking God for a miracle. Some of us might even say, well, well pastor, I, I have been asking, I, I have been praying, but it feels like no one is answering. It feels like I'm, I'm not getting a response. It feels like I'm being placed on hold for long periods of time and, and no one's on the other end. And so I just, I end up hanging up and, and giving up. If we were being honest, a lot of us feel that way a lot of times in this pursuit of, of God, in this walk with Jesus. Well, listen, if, 
that happens to be you today, I'm believing that God is going to encourage you by telling you he's listening to you, revealing to you he's listening to you, and your waiting will turn into something in Jesus' name because God is listening. He's listening even if you don't feel like he's listening, even if you don't see that he's listening. You know, 1 Peter chapter 3 says it this way. For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. And his ears attend, or they are attentive. His ears are attentive to their request. And listen to me. If the Bible says it, we've, we've got to believe it. We have to believe it. In Lamentations chapter 3, it says that, that the Lord is good to those who wait on him and put their trust fully in him. The apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter three, he encourages us. He says, don't grow weary in doing good for in due time, someone say due time. In due time, you'll reap a harvest. Man, we've gotta, we've gotta trust this and believe this. And what the scripture is simply saying is this, if we don't give up, if we, don't hang up, if we keep believing, if we keep asking, if we keep trusting, if we keep waiting, the God of miracles will send us our miracle. This is the promise of scripture. And so, man, we're gonna look at the, the story of Hannah for a few moments today. And again, I'm believing by the end of today, man, we'll be encouraged to keep trusting, keep believing, keep waiting because in due time, we'll reap a harvest. In due season, we'll receive the miracle that God will, will give it to us. Amen. 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 So listen, Hannah, she has a husband. His name is Elkanah. Interesting names. Hannah has a husband, Elkanah, right? And Elkanah has two wives, which can I just stop it right there? I don't even go, I don't need to go any further. Like, what's the issue in the home? Right there it is. <laughs> Two wives. Like, like, what did this guy expect was going to happen in his home? I mean, the Lord created Adam and Eve. One man, one woman. He didn't create Adam and Eve and Stacy for them to have a, a big happy family. Like, I mean, God knows what he's doing, I'm just saying. He said one man for one woman, right? And and of course, these two are competing for his affection. They are competing for his, his time. They're competing with one another. And look, I'm all for some healthy competition, right? I really am. I like healthy competition, but this just isn't healthy whatsoever. And, and hear me, men. Hear me, men. If, if you're thinking you'd like to have two wives, learn from Elkanah, right? Like, just learn from, from him. You know, it's funny. I've, I've actually had guys say to me, you know, they come up with a, like a dude, bro. You know, like, hey, bro, we ought to go back to Bible times, right? Like, like, yeah, we should have a couple concubines and wives. And I'm like, and as I continue to talk to them, I find out they don't have one wife. That's the reason they think they can handle two wives, right? Like, of course, that's what you think, because you don't know what it's like. like takes every ounce of our self to satisfy our wives. Amen. A lot of times always to fall short. Hallelujah. But it's the grace of God that continues to carry us. But, but anyway, <clears throat> Elkanah, he has two wives. One Hannah, 
one Penina. And Penina has a ton of kids. She has a bunch of kids, but Hannah has no kids at all. And, and what you have to realize is, is this fact, in Bible times especially, kids were more than just something that we would enjoy to have. Like, oh, it'd be nice if I had some kids. It wasn't like that in Bible times. In, in Bible times, kids symbolized the faithfulness and the, fruit, the, the fruitfulness of your life to God, the favor of God upon your life. Kids represented the legacy in which God wanted to bring through your family tree. That's what kids represented in Bible times. And so, man, it was really important for women to have kids because if a woman couldn't have children back then, they would be scorned. They would be overlooked. They would be discarded by the husband and by society. This is how they would treat them then. And so, man, to have no children was really rough on, on women back then. Super rough. And so Hannah, right, has this really deep desire to have children. But there's absolutely nothing she can do about her situation. She can't fix it. She, she, can't, go, she, she can't do anything about it. But yet she, she desires it. Now, what is so interesting to me about this story, and you can go read it for yourself all over again, but what's so interesting is this. It says year after year. Someone say year after year. Year after year. Year after year Elkanah would go to sacrifice and to worship the Lord Almighty at the temple. And at that time, this is what it says, at that time, talking about the Day of Atonement, if you want to know about the Day of Atonement, we preached about it on Easter Sunday. I don't have time to get into it today. But on the day of atonement, he would take a portion of his sacrifice and he would give it to Penina and her children. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Someone say double portion. He would give a double portion. Now, now, now what is so wild to me is simply this, that society would say she deserved nothing, let alone a double portion. Because after all, she can't give children to, his, to, to her husband, and so she don't deserve anything from her husband. This is how society would treat her. Culture would say she doesn't deserve that double portion. But what we have to see here is this, is that Elkanah's favor for Hannah wasn't based off of what Hannah could do for Elkanah. It was based off of what he could do for her. See, Elkanah loved Hannah, even though she was barren. The Bible says she was barren. Her womb was closed. Elkanah was faithful to Hannah, even though Hannah was fruitless for him. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're picking up what I'm putting down. I'm not sure if you're seeing the picture that the scriptures are painting for us right here. Because this sounds an awful lot like the God that we serve. See, God's favor is for us, not because of what we can do for him, but because what he can do for us. It's amazing. See, God loves us even though at times we are barren for him. It's amazing. He's faithful to us even in the seasons we are fruitless for him. This is the God we serve. And how many of you are grateful this morning that you serve a God whose favor is for you 
despite your failures, despite your flaws, despite your deficiencies and your insecurities, despite your weaknesses and your shortcomings, his favor is for you. Listen, God's favor is for us even when we are fruitless because his faithfulness doesn't depend on us. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on his grace. That's what it depends on. It's amazing because God doesn't give us what we deserve. He don't give it to us. We deserve death. What does he do? He gives us life. We actually deserve hell. What's he do? He gives us heaven. We deserve to go through all these things in, in life, but instead he gives us Jesus. He makes a way when there should be absolutely no way. Now, maybe some of us think we're so holy and spiritual. God really didn't do much for us. We just, we've been living this good for a long time. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Huh. And that's one of the greatest deceptions the enemy has ever told mankind. I'm a good person, so God's cool with me. No. God's cool with you if you've given your life to Jesus. But God's favor is upon us, not because we deserve it, just because of his grace. See, Hannah, she gets this double portion, even though society would say she, she didn't deserve any portion. And, and that started to get me thinking, right? About I wondering how, how many of us here this morning has society told us that we don't deserve anything? How many of us have been told by people that we are nothing and we will be absolutely nothing? I wonder how many of us today are struggling in life, struggling with an addiction, struggling with some sort of affliction. And society has told us you'll always be addicted and you'll always be afflicted. I wonder because this morning God wants to, to tell you something different. He wants to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. See, the Bible tells me that those who are in Christ are a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. See, the Bible says that if we are found in Christ, the favor of God is upon us. That is the very unmerited favor of God, God's grace, unmerited. We don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, but God gives it. See, even when we don't feel favored, God says we are blessed and highly favored. Did you know God says this, that you are the head and not the tail? That you're above and not below, that you're blessed in your coming and blessed in your going. He says we're no longer under a curse, but we're being carried by the very grace of God. So it doesn't, we don't deserve it and it doesn't depend on us. It depends all on him. And so that means that we can declare today, enemy, you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. And society, guess what? You can take your curse and shove it where the sun don't shine because my God, his face is shining upon me and his glory is upon me to do good works for him. And he will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That's what, that's what God's word tells us. I'm so sick and tired of the enemy and society telling me what I can be, telling people what they are to be. Man, when God, when God says, if he's for me, nothing and no one can stand against me. It's a beautiful, beautiful truth. See, we've got to start listening to what 
God is speaking and stop listening to what the enemy and society is saying. Man, God, God doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he wants to give us what he desires for us. God doesn't want to give us what we deserve. He wants to give us what he desires for us. And he desires to give us a double portion of his favor, of his blessing, of his spirit, of his anointing. It's amazing. Hannah receives this, this double portion, right, from Elkanah. Even though she doesn't deserve it. She don't deserve it. But something else that you gotta, you gotta see here that's taking place in this story is that not only does Hannah receive this double portion that she didn't deserve, but also Hannah is dealing with a double burden as well. Because not only is she having to deal with this inward struggle of being barren, knowing inwardly that she can't have children, not only does she got to deal with this inward struggle, but she also has to deal with the outward struggle of Penina. And Penina is always reminding her of her deficiencies, always reminding her of her, of her shortcomings. The Bible says that Penina provokes Hannah to experience great misery, to irritate her. And so not only does Hannah have to deal with this inward burden of not being able to have children, she has to deal with the outward burden of Penina telling her, you can't have children. Over and over and over, and it says that it sends Hannah into great despair. She's weeping. She's crying to the point of what the Bible says is great misery has come upon her. And her heart is sad to the point she won't eat, she won't talk. All she'll do is cry. And do you know what I've, I've found to be so true in my life? <clears throat> I found that when God is trying to give me what he desires for me, when he's trying to pour out on me the double portion, the enemy is quick to put a double burden on me so quick. And I found that not only do I have to deal with my inward struggle, but I also have to deal with the outward struggle, the outward, the, the, the voice of Penina. See, not only do I have to deal with daily the things that I've done in my life before Christ, the things that I have to, to sit there and, and fight against because of the life of sin I used to live, all the hurt that I've caused because of it, not only do I got to struggle through that, but I also have to deal with the voice of Penina as well. Telling me I don't deserve anything God has given me. Telling me I'm, I'm worthless and I'm useless. And it's interesting because the voice of Penina is twofold a lot of times. It's twofold. Sometimes it's the enemy just whispering constantly all these lies in our ear. God really don't love you. God really has no miracle for you. God, God might've showed up for them, but he's not gonna show up for you. I mean, come on, it's just not gonna happen. Maybe for them, but not, not for you. And not only is it that enemy whispering, but it's also people around us that the enemy has sent that will keep telling us how worthless we are. And don't get it twisted. They are put there by the enemy and they will remind you of all the wrong you've done throughout your life all the bad that you actually deserve because of the way you lived your life. Listen, it's, it's one thing 
to be dealing with the inward struggle and to be down because of the things you know you've done. But it's an entire different thing to have people sitting there and telling you and they won't let you get back up. That's a whole nother side of the coin, man, that's really difficult to deal with. See, it's one thing to fail, but then it's a tire different thing to have somebody keep telling you, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure. Year after year. Listen, God, God told us years ago, when Julie and I first became the pastors here at CWC, he said, he said, this place will be a home to so many people who never had a home. And what we knew God was speaking by the spirit through what he was saying was that this would be a safe place for people who when they would come, when they would come, they wouldn't be constantly reminded of their failures. They would be encouraged to get back up. Listen, I'm telling you that the people would come here beat up, but they would leave built up in Jesus' name. Yeah. Listen, I love coming to CWC, and not just because I'm the pastor, and not because of the lights, the camera, the action, and the worship music is good, and the preaching is anointed, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I hope all those things are so true. I hope that is all true. But that's not the reason I love coming here. I love coming here because in this place, what we believe is the righteous can fall seven times, but every time we'll be here to tell them, get back up. Get back up. It's not about the fall. It's about getting back up because God is able and his grace will cover you. Man, it's, it's a place where we're gonna be rooting for one another, celebrating one another's successes and helping each other with our failures because there's always failures in life. And you need a family around you that will love you in spite of your failure. We're not going to compete against one. This isn't going to be the house of Elkanah where people are competing and people are stepping on each other to get to the next place they want to get to. You know, the Lord said to me years ago, he said, CWC will be a launching pad, not a stepping stone. In other words, in other words, we will be here to encourage people to go from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory, from one degree of faith to the next degree of faith, but we won't step on each other to get there. We will help launch each other in that place. Man, the church cannot be a bunch of paninas. They cannot be. We have to be a bunch of people telling other people, when you're down, God will raise you right back up. We got to be a bunch of people who, when we feel like quitting, all the people around us are saying, you can keep going. When we are fearful, God, the people are reminding us of God's faithfulness not reminding us of what all we've done, what all we've done wrong. CWC exists to share the hope and love that comes with knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have to realize that in, in life that not only do we have inward struggles, but there'll be outward struggles brought on by the voice of Penina. And it's designed so that we will stop short of our miracle the voice of Penina is designed to get us to, to quit waiting and stop believing God what we're asking him for. L listen to me. Who you choose to listen to in this season will determine the outcome of your next season. I promise you that. Who you choose to listen to in this season 
will determine the outcome of your next season. Man, when I was coming out of 15 years of drug addiction, a long time, a long time in drug addiction from a little kid, man, literally 12 years old, a long time into my late 20s. And when I was coming out of that drug addiction, man, I chose to put myself around people who reminded me of the, of the plans that God had for me. Not the people reminding me of what I did. I'm going to tell you, I know what I did. I don't need you telling me what I did. I got to live with it every day and pray through it every day. I don't need nobody else reminding me, but I chose to put myself around people that would remind me of God's glory and God's miracle working power in my life. Not the people who kept telling me what I did deserve, that I deserved jail and that I deserved all this other stuff. The voice you listen to in this season, church, will determine the outcome of your next season. So be careful. Have people around you, not a bunch of paninas, but Jesus speaking his life and his grace over you. But this is what Hannah is, is dealing with here. She's dealing with this inward struggle. She's also dealing with the voice of Penina, this outward struggle. And it, and it says in verse 10, the Bible says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. See, this shows that, that Hannah didn't keep dealing with her inward struggle and her outward struggle on her own. She didn't do that. She took it to God. See, she didn't keep trying to, to deal with the situation that she had no power to change in the first place. She had no ability to change it. So she took it to the one who could change it, who desires to change it. And she takes it, she takes it to God. And what she doesn't do, she does not go to God with some nice and neat, prim and proper prayer. That's not what she did. She bared her heart before her God. She shared with God exactly what was on her heart. God, I'm angry. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm suffering. I need you to do something. She bared her heart. And in verse 12 and 13, it says that she was making such a scene that those spectating thought she was drinking. Because let me tell you, spectators will always point and say things at you. Spectators always do that. That's, that's what they do. That's what they do. They think she's drinking. Even the priest says you're drunk. The man of God, spectating, started saying you're drunk. Which, you know, reminded me of the scene in Acts chapter 2. See, in Acts chapter 2, the church of Jesus Christ is being birthed for the very first time. It's just getting ready to, to launch out, man. And Jesus, before he leaves and goes and ascends to the right hand of God the Father, he says to them, I need you to be waiting and praying, believing for the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all of Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth but you gotta be praying and waiting. And the Bible says that they were all gathered together in what it calls the upper room. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind and gave each of them tongues of fire. They all began to speak in different tongues. And they were filled 
with the Holy Spirit because they were waiting, praying, and believing. They didn't stop waiting. They kept waiting. But those who were spectating began to say, yeah, yeah, they're drinking. They, they, they got to be drunk because that looks, that looks crazy. They're, they got to be, they got to be drinking. Peter stands up and says, hold up, hold up, hold up, wait a minute. It's not even 11 o'clock in the morning yet, guys, right? Like, it's not even 11 o'clock yet. Of course, they're not drinking. These people are going after God with everything that is within them. They don't care who's spectating. They don't care what they're saying. They just care that God is hearing them. And if you take this first Samuel chapter one passage and the Acts chapter two passage, and you see the similarities in both of them, what, what you see is, is this. Sometimes when we're going after God, as we are waiting for God to send his miracle our way, it isn't always pretty. It don't always look prim and proper and all put together. It doesn't look like that. See, see what I'm trying to say is, is simply this. Some of us need to, to stop being so uptight and dignified in the house of God. Some of us need to, to, to start bearing our hearts in a real way before the king, before the one that can change your situation. Showing God, men, that we mean business. We mean business. Showing God, we don't care what others think. We don't care what others say. We only care, God, that you hear. That's it, that you remember us and our prayers. God, and we're gonna be waiting and believing in this miracle. There is something about a hungry heart that attracts God's attention to his people. I promise you that. We see it throughout scripture. And sometimes what's attractive to God is not attractive to man. It don't attract them. But who gives a flying leap what they think and what they say? I'm telling you, man, there's times in my life, man, there's days when I just got to get at the feet of my king. Let my God know exactly how I feel. And I don't care if my wife sees it. I don't care if my kids see it. I don't care who sees it. I'm laying at his feet and I'm crying out to him so that he knows exactly what's going on inside of me. So that I show to him, I, I mean business. And God, I don't care. I just care that you hear me. That's all I care in this moment. See, we need to stop acting so tough and stop being vulnerable. Start to be vulnerable in front of the one that wants to bear it all, who knows exactly what's in there anyway, so why not let it out? Because hear me, holding it in and bottling it up is the place where the enemy will come at you so hard and mess you up. The moment you get it out, then it's in the light as he is in the light, and he can begin to work and move in your situation no matter how big the miracle is, no matter how unsurmountable it seems. We need to start being a people who are real in how we feel before our God. And this is what, what Hannah does here. And this is what attracts God's attention. She did it year after year, year after year. It was the same thing, year after year. But, but here, the way she cried out to God got God's attention. And as you continue to read on down through the story, right, you see that she has a son. She names him Samuel because the Lord had given her him, right? And Samuel becomes one of the greatest prophets known to humanity. But something that cannot be overstated in this message is that Hannah had to wait year after year year 
after year. She had to keep praying. She had to keep believing. She had to keep waiting. She had to keep asking. She had to keep dealing with the inward struggle. She had to keep putting up with the outward struggle. Year after year, she had to hear what the haters were saying. But then all of a sudden, we get to this year, and God shows up with the miracle that she had been begging him for for so many years. Gets to this year, then in due time, someone say due time. In due time, in God's timing, the miracle is released. It's released, it comes to pass, and a mother's miracle is birthed. And so the question that would have to be asked today is, what is the miracle you're asking for? What's the miracle you're believing God for? You know, I can think back over my, over my life and all those years of drug addiction, 15 years addicted to drugs, almost eight of those years addicted to heroin. It was, it was the worst life anybody could ever live. It was awful. And you know, I can remember them years seeing my mama crying out, weeping before God, screaming so loudly it was scary. I'm not kidding you. God, save my son, bawling. She'd start shouting at the enemy, you can't have him. He's mine, he's God's. You can't have him. And this went on year after year after year. And she would do it at the altars, man. She could care less what people in the church thought. I need you, God, to hear me and show up on behalf of my family. I need you. Year after year. And so one day, God said, enough's enough. Enemy, you had your day. Today, he will serve me and walk with me. And I will use him for my glory. A mother's miracle was birthed. And my life has never been the same. And I'm so thankful that I had a mom who didn't care what she looked like. Who didn't care what she sounded like to people. She just knew she needed God to show up in her life. And because God did it for me and because he heard my mother and because he heard Hannah, guess what? He'll do it for you and he'll hear you. That's what he does. He shows no partiality to any. Desiring for all to come to know him and believe in him. So whatever you're asking God for today, don't grow weary in praying. Don't grow weary in the waiting. Don't grow weary in believing You just keep crying out before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, taking it to the one that can actually change your situation instead of complaining to all those around you that can't help you anyway. Can't do nothing for you. Because in in due time, in due time, see, something that Hannah realized here was not only that she had to go to God bearing her heart, everything that's within her, holding nothing back from him. Not only did she realize that, but you know what else she realized? She realized that I have to attach my miracle to the glory of God. 
when she finally realized it wasn't just about her happiness, that it wasn't just about proving the naysayers wrong, that it wasn't just to shut up the haters, but rather, God, give me my son and I'll give him to you so that he will be used for your glory, not my happiness. If we want the miracles of God to be released in our lives, then we got to align what we're asking for with the heart of the Father. And God is more concerned about revealing himself to the earth than he is about our happiness. I'm telling you. He's more concerned about our obedience than our happiness. We've got to learn to attach our miracles to God's glory. Why do I want this? Whatever it is I'm asking for, because God, I want you to receive glory from it. If this comes to fruition in my life, people will ask why, and I get to say, because of God. And so today, man, what miracle are you believing for? And so the worship team is going to come, and and we're going to open up the altars. Because I actually believe that God wants to do something here today. That God wants to release some things in your life. That he wants to, to give you the miracles you're praying for. It's just you got to align them with his glory. You got to bear it out before him, not worrying about what others think. Making sure that he hears. And man, we'll pray for you. We'll believe with you. We'll encourage you. Because I'm believing God is going to release some stuff from heaven today in this place and on your life. In Jesus' name. Come on, worship team. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. And Holy Spirit, I ask that right now you would begin to draw all people unto yourself. That right now, miracles from heaven would be released. That God, you would start to grab people's hearts and pull them towards you. God, there's many people in here that need many miracles and they seem unsurmountable. I pray right now that you would help them have the faith that it requires to come after you. God, we believe, but help our unbelief this morning, I pray. I pray that right now, Jesus. Draw your people right now in this moment. Come on and stand to your feet. The altars are open.